invites us to partner with him in this work that he's doing. This, as he is proclaiming the good news to the poor, as he's comforting those who mourn, as he is taking a spirit of heaviness away and he's giving a spirit of praise. And the way that we do that is through self-sacrificial service in God's kingdom. Nobody ever just ends up a missionary. Missionaries are built. Do you want your life to matter? Do you want to make a difference in the world? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that God is inviting all of his people to join him in the work he's doing. You can be a part of the healing and hope he provides. But this isn't something that just happens. You have to choose to join him, to love sacrificially again and again. So what do you think? Will you take that step of faith and simply respond to Jesus today? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 61 as he begins his message, Great News. So I think it's a universally accepted truth that all of us love great news, don't we? I was searching online, I couldn't really find the answer to this, but you never hear that phrase like, do you want the good news or the bad news first? I'm pretty sure that for most people, they take the bad news first because they know that bad news is coming, but they know because you, something good is coming after it, right? You know that when the good thing comes, whatever the bad thing is, the good thing offsets it. So I love great news. Now, whether it's you hearing for the first time that your spouse is going to have a child and it's yours, and I'll, I'll just <laughs> tighten those things up a little bit, you know. <laughs> Or whether it's you hear something great about your favorite sports team, great news is great news. I remember, I'll never forget where I was on November 21st, 2012, where I got some bad news. I was actually driving home from Crossroads and I'm in a gas station and the radio is on in the car. Now, I don't listen to the radio very much because, well, because they don't play great avant-garde jazz on the radio. It's like, there's no market for that. So I have that on my iPod and stuff like that. But I'll never forget, it was the worst news I'd ever heard that they were discontinuing making Twinkies. That was like a bad moment. Now, listen, if you've been around this place at all, you know that I love Twinkies. Don't hate me because I love Twinkies. You've heard me say it before. I believe that Twinkies are the manna that God gave the children of Israel from heaven. (laughs) They saw it. They said, what is it? And anyway, so I love me some Twinkies. But I remember when I was sitting there, and it was like I was at a gas station. I just finished turning on, and I said, you'll never believe it. They're no longer making Twinkies. And I thought to myself, the first thing that I heard in my head was that song from the 80s by a group called Cinderella. You know, guys who look like Cinderella, but they were dudes with high hair and the whole thing. And the song was, you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, as a first, you guys know that song? It's the first thing that went through, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And so sure enough, I was supposed to go home, but I'm like, if Twinkies are not going to be made anymore, I got to find me some Twinkies. So I started driving around. There was none in Safeway, none in Fred Meyers, none. I even tried the dollar store. I'm like, maybe they got the Twinkies in the dollar store and there's no Twinkies anywhere. I even tried gas stations. Like you go in the convenience, like I couldn't find a Twinkie anywhere. And then she's texting me, she's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm trying to find Twinkies. 
And I remember I went home and she's like, why were you trying to find tweaks? I'm like, they don't make them anymore. I can't believe this. But sure enough, the great news was they were only out of production for about four months. Glory, <laughs> glory. Say, praise God. That's all right. And so when they came back, it now you guys know what it is. Not only do you have Twinkies, you have banana flavored Twinkies, strawberry flavored Twinkies, you get Twinkie ice cream, you get Twinkie ice cream cones. But the great news of hearing they were going back in production. Now, I started thinking about this all simply because I know it's crazy, but there's like an expiration date on the box of Twinkies. So like, if you watch the two-minute messages that we do on Facebook, you know, we have them on YouTube as well, you know, and a lot of them, there's a Twinkie box. It's like kind of a random Twinkie box. It's kind of like a fun little thing that we do. And the reason that is is because, you know, wherever I go, we bring Twinkies with me, you know? And so, but in my office, there's a box of Twinkies. And so sure enough, my assistant, Diana, there's a box of Twinkies. And I'm like, oh, look at those Twinkies. They look so beautiful. And she's like, well, they're expired. And then this began this whole discussion about expiration dates. And so my wife, Lynn, is the same way, where like, if it expires on this day, it's like it goes in the garbage. And so I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to throw it out. That's just their way of getting you to buy more, you know? <laughs> like total guy, you know what I mean? Like where you're like not going to throw it out because you paid for it. You'll eat it even if it's half bad, you know? And so sure enough, Diana's like, well, no, 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 those things go bad. I'm like, they really don't go bad. I'm like, look, I know it. If there was a nuclear fallout, everything would be radioactive except them Twinkies, you know what I mean? So you keep those things, and no matter what, you eat them. And so because now she's like, no, no, they go bad, and you can't eat them. And so I was argumentative, because it's Twinkies, and I'm an expert. <laughs> no, really. But sure enough, I ended up looking up online, and sure enough, it says there are 21 days of freshness. But I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever eaten a Twinkie that was eaten before the expiration date, and they always taste exactly the same. <laughs> So I'm just going to keep, I actually read an article about a teacher who put a Twinkie in his classroom and he kept it there for 30 years. So I don't know if he ate it or not, but I think I'm going to do that. I'm just going to put Twinkies everywhere and I'm going to put dates on it and I'll just eat one a year and just to see how they do. So, I mean, this long rabbit trail is all just to say there's great news when I found out that Twinkies were coming back in. But we all love great news, don't we? Like when you get great news, you love great news. And today I want to share with you some of the most amazing news. I want to share with you the greatest news in all the world. Now, we're doing this series that we're calling Echoes. Because you think of an echo, an echo is a sound that's been made in the past that reverberates into the present time. And the prophet Isaiah might be no more profound example of a voice from the past, timeless truths that have a present reality for us. So do you want to hear some great news today? Open up in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, as we continue this echo series in from the prophet Isaiah. So open up those Bibles. Of course, if you're online, don't forget, you open up your version, you know, or however you like to read your Bible from. Isaiah 61, we're going to take this whole chapter. And this, I've entitled this message, this isn't just good news, this is great news today. Isaiah 61. If you're new to the Bible, I want to get you the prophet Isaiah. It's really actually easy to find. If you're just flipping the Bible around, you're either going to see Psalms or Isaiah because of the two largest books in the Bible. So if you find Isaiah, just go to 61. If you find Psalms, go to your right, and you'll find there. Isaiah is what the first of what we call the major prophets. And I always like to say that major prophets aren't more important than the minor prophets. They're just majorly more verbose. 
So Isaiah 66 chapters, the minor prophets are all shorter books, but Isaiah, it goes Isaiah, and then Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, your four major prophets. So it says this in Isaiah chapter 61, verse one, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." That's a pretty powerful start to a chapter, isn't it? Now, here's what you need to know about these verses. This speaks of Jesus. That's what you need to know here. These verses here, this speaks of Jesus. Now, what's beautiful is in the very beginning, the very first sentence, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here we have all three persons of the Trinity explained here in this verse. Now, again, there's only one God, but that one God reveals himself eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So what you have is, notice, the Spirit of the Lord God. So the Spirit, that's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Lord God, if you notice it in your Bibles, it's capital L-O-R-D, God. So some of your translations say sovereign God or the Lord God. So this speaks of the Father is upon me. That speaks of Jesus the Son. So you have all three persons of the Trinity, the one true God, the God of the Bible, the creator and sustainer of all things is right there in the beginning. Now, some people say, well, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. And you're absolutely right. The word's not in there, but the concept is absolutely in there. That's the word that they use for this concept of one God and three persons. You might say, well, how do you know that it's Jesus? Well, quite simply, Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter four, verses 16 to 22. I'm going to read it to you because Jesus applies this in an amazing way. It says this, Luke 4, verse 16. So he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth and when they, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then it says, then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And when he began to say to them, today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, so all bore witness of him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So this is after Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He did not give in to that temptation. And then it says he entered into where he was from and he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And it was the time for the reading. Visiting rabbis and teachers could stand up and Jesus said that they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and it says he found where this was. And then he begins to read Isaiah 61 but he stops after to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He doesn't finish the verses. He closes, sits down, everyone stares at him. They're like, what? 
Because remember, in that culture, you couldn't just read anywhere. They were following almost like a liturgy of reading. So Jesus went out of order. Everyone's looking at him. He said, today the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. Bam. Everyone who's sitting there just like, mind blown. Why? Because this is about Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm Messiah. The spirit of the true and living God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and then this whole long list of things that Jesus has come to do. To preach good tidings to the poor. That good tidings is good news. It's the idea of the gospel. To preach it to the poor. To those who are on the margins. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Those whose hearts have been broken. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bind up those broken hearts. He's going to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those who are imprisoned, whether literally or spiritually, he's going to proclaim liberty to them. The opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then, if it keeps going, it says, and the day of vengeance from our God. They might say, why did Jesus stop after to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord? The answer is simple. Jesus' work comes in two advents, two comings. In the first coming, Jesus is coming to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim grace. But when Jesus returns again, then will be the day of vengeance of our God where God will bring to justice all that has been wrong. So we see the ministry of Jesus takes place in two advents. That's why he stopped in the middle of these verses. And that's probably why they got caught. They were like, why did he stop right there? But notice, as it goes on, I want to comfort all who mourn. I want to console those who mourn in Zion. I want to give them, where there's ashes, I want to give them beauty. Where there's mourning, I'm going to give them the oil of joy. Although they have a spirit of heaviness, I'm going to give them the garment of praise that they may be called trees of righteousness. Now listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, when you Put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible calls it that you're born again, that you are reborn spiritually, that although you were spiritually dead, because of your faith and trust in Jesus, now you get made alive again. Now, if you're not a believer here today, I'm excited for you to respond that you might be made alive again in a way unlike you've ever been alive before. True life, the abundant life that leads to everlasting and eternal life. But For those of us who have already received Jesus, Jesus invites us to partner with him in this work that he's doing. This, as he is proclaiming the good news to the poor, as he's comforting those who mourn, as he is taking a spirit of heaviness away and he's giving a spirit of praise. And the way that we do that is through self-sacrificial service in God's kingdom. Nobody ever just ends up a missionary. Missionaries are built. Nobody ends up a pastor. They're built. Nobody ends up a mighty man or woman of God. It's something that you build every single day. And I believe that God wants to build up all of us. I mean, I've never once met a believer who didn't say, I want God to mightily use my life. But you know what happens for many of us? We want that, but we actually never want to do the work to be in a place that God can use your life. It's like you have to take a step of faith to do it. And I believe that deep down, when the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us, you want to say, I want my life to mightily impact people for God's kingdom. 
at our VBS here on our Vancouver campus. My two oldest, Obadiah and Maranatha, both surfed. And I'll never forget, so Obadiah was doing like the little kids, the mini VBS. And I remember I saw Obadiah on Monday morning. I said, Obadiah, are you excited about VBS? He's like, well, I don't know if I'm excited. I don't really know what I got myself into. <laughs> Classic. It's like totally my boy, you know? He's like thinking about it. He's like, I'm not really sure that I don't know what I'm doing. But, and so sure enough, he, he didn't know what he signed up for. But sure enough, he's playing in the mini VBS. And by Friday, he was like, Dad, I totally want to serve in the nursery after this is over. Because he took a step of faith, and our culture says, serve me. And Jesus says, you're more blessed to give than receive. My daughter, Maranatha, she loves to worship. She loves to sing. You know, She's just such an active, amazing young woman. And she got invited to be on the worship team for VBS. And literally, like, after the week's over, she's like, Dad, I need to talk to Pastor Jason. I want to get on the worship team at Crossroads. You know? And now she's like, I want to take piano lessons. I want to take voice lessons. And, you know, because she realized, she's like, it's so much more, it's fun to worship. It's another thing to help others worship. See, my kids learned by serving the very things that Jesus says in his word. And I believe that God wants all of us to learn these things. I believe that God wants each one of us to step on out. Step in. Take the step of faith. Because this is what Jesus invites us all into. Now, what I love about this is when you hear an encouragement to like connect and serve, for many of us, like, well, listen, that's great and all, but like, what good am I? You don't know where I've been. Look at what it says next, verse four of Isaiah 61. It says, then they shall rebuild the old ruins and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers, verse five, shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. There in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. My friends, what we learn here is that it's comeback time. See, the children of Israel here, the idea is that it's they're coming back after the Babylonian exile, the greatest calamity in the history of Israel. And it says, but they shall rebuild the old ruins and they will raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. Not only that, it says that strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. This isn't speaking about slavery. This is speaking about this They've been so blessed that now they have employees. The other nations are now coming to them to work in their fields to help them with all that God's doing. And I think for many of us, when we think about connecting and serving, maybe along the way you tried to serve and it didn't go well and you got hurt. Or maybe you feel like your life has been such a train wreck. What do you have to give? And what we learn here is that when God anoints and empowers us by his spirit, even if we have a bad track record, God does a comeback restoration type of a work. 
And what I have learned in my life is that when somebody re-engages after whatever it is that's gone on and they begin to serve, that now because of the experiences that they've had, God can leverage those experiences because it humbles us, it helps us to be more reliant on the Lord, less puffed up and proud, all these things, and all of a sudden now God can use you in greater ways because you're not thinking, of course God's gonna use me because I got it all going on. But now all of a sudden you start to realize God's got great power and he can use anybody. I believe that it's your comeback time today. I believe it's time for you to be the comeback player of the year. I believe that God's plan is to leverage whatever happened and he wants to strengthen you through what happened or what never, you never stepped in because you have all this stuff you're working through and you will find the healing that God wants to give you in the midst of serving others. And that happens for many, many people, doesn't it? I like to say it this way. The church is a hospital and the church is an army. The idea is we all showed up a little mangled, right? What's also interesting is that if you hang in the hospital long enough, you have a tendency to get mangled all over again because there's a lot of sickness in the church, right? But in the hospital, God is the great physician and we're all patients and we're all doctors, See, no one's perfectly well except for Jesus, so we help one another as we go. But it's not just a hospital, it's also an army. See, Jesus isn't interested in just doing triage for life. At some point, you get well enough, and now there's a battle that's going on in the world, and not a battle with guns, but a battle for the souls of people, and God wants all of us to be engaged in that work. So I think it's comeback time for some of us. I think today's the day you're gonna finally trust God with your history so that you can step in to what God has for you. And now how I know this, look at what it says in verse six. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord and they shall call you the servants of God. See, when God called the children of Israel all the way back at Sinai, he said, you're gonna be all priests, a kingdom of priests. And a priest's job was to stand before people in the name of God and stand before God in the name of people. It was a mediatorial role, the role of a mediator to be able to present God into the world to people and also to stand before God in the name of other people interceding for them. That's the role of a priest. Now, what's amazing is in Peter's writings, he says that the church is a kingdom of priests. What it means is all of us, not just some guy with a backwards collar. You notice I don't wear those bad boys. (laughs) Praise God. That would be hard to talk with that thing all on there. Man, I'm knocking him a little bit. But here, here's my collar. Here you go. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like we're all designed in Christ, recreated in Christ to mediate. God to people and people to God. Jesus is the mediator, but he lets us partner with him in that mediatorial role. And they shall call you the servants of our God. How can we be servants of God if we're not servants of God? See, it's comeback time. God wants to usher all of us back in to where we're supposed to be. Notice in verse seven, instead of the shame, you shall have double honor. That speaks of the blessings of the firstborn who got double honor, the double portion of the inheritance. But the double portion of the inheritance also comes with twice the responsibility because the firstborn was designed to be the new head of the family. Jesus is real. You're called to be a servant of the Lord. He's inviting you to join him in the work that he's doing in the lives of people all around you. 
As Pastor Daniel reminded you today, you can't be a servant if you're not serving. He shared that you've been given a double portion of blessing, but along with that comes more responsibility. Jesus wants you to follow his example of humble service as you partner with him in his work. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that a great starting point for real-life transformation is loving what God loves and doing the things that He does. That means you ask Him to help you sacrificially serve others. You care about seeing justice play out in real ways in the world around you. You treat people with dignity and respect because they're created in God's image. So let Jesus change you as you simply respond to Him. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Echoes. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.